Thanks, Peter. I was, I was going to have fun with your new marriage, and now I've decided not to. You were so nice to me right there. Um, if we could have had a third prayer time, it would have been great. We could pray for Lauren and her huge task of domesticating this guy. You know, remember, uh, uh, what is it, Beauty and the Beast, where uh, Gaston... You know, he sings, I use antlers in all of my decorating, you know. At the, she's going to help you redecorate, I think. Uh, yeah, that'd be good. Whenever I talk uh, uh, to you guys, uh, for one, it's just great. I enjoy doing that. I enjoy spending time with you. I like being at the college. I occasionally enjoy speaking in, in chapel uh, and getting ready for that and all that uh, stuff. I uh, I look out over a group. I, I think of riding my bicycle. I was uh, up in the Sierras, in a remote part of the Sierras, just plugging away, and uh, had a flat tire. Had the stuff to fix the tire, so I fixed it, and then it promptly went flat again. And so here I am out in the middle of nowhere uh, with a flat tire. And uh, I thought, what am I going to do? I guess just walk, you know, and I got on these clicky shoes that aren't fun to walk in, and and uh, uh, so start walking, and pretty soon here comes a, a car uh, up by me, and the window goes down on the car, and, and the guy in the car said, Dr. Mackey, <laughs> and uh, he said, do you need a ride? And I said, uh, what grade did you get in econ? Because I kind of want to know where the ride was going, you know? It's like, they'll never find the body out there, you know, kind of thing. And he said, I got a good grade. And I said, yes, I need a ride. <laughs> so I hope you got a good grade or you're getting a good grade. Otherwise, I, I hope that uh, you'll tolerate me nicely during the next few minutes that we spend together. Uh, the topic's pretty neat. First uh, Thessalonians 2.8, uh, sharing our lives as well. Uh, Peter talked with me about it, and, and then Harry uh, spent some time as these guys have, have thought this up, and I thought, wow, that's a good idea. Uh, in a way, you, you kind of uh, have an opportunity to plug into real-time Ecclesiastes, uh, and that is, you know, you can look at people who uh, have live the life uh, before you and, and maybe try to figure some things out based on what they tell you. Uh, there's a couple of ways to learn in life. You can learn from the teaching of others or you can learn from your own mistakes. And uh, if you choose the second route, then that's called the school of hard knocks. The school colors are black and blue. And... Uh, uh, you know, I, I think I got quoted somewhere, you know, I always say, well, if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough, you know, because stupid hurts. It hurts a lot. <laughs> and uh, uh, I hope that, uh, you know, I hope you can learn from us a little bit as we get up here and, and, and share with you that uh, some of it just kind of spills over. Uh, if you're in sermon prep class, these classes, can, or these uh, sermons can probably give you some fodder for discussion uh, because they're, this isn't alliterated, it's not, uh, it's not 
particularly uh, exegetical or anything like that. It's more uh, just taking you back, uh, you know, to back in the day. And I brought my uh, Bible with me that I had in college, uh, thinking about college. And um, I'm not saying I went to college a long time ago, but they're bidding over this ancient manuscript right now, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out where they're going to put it and stuff. Um, so I'm not really sharing with you my failures, although, you know, it could go that way in terms of stuff I wish I'd known in uh, college. Uh, that I know now, uh, but rather uh, the approach is, you know, just sharing with you what God has taught me, what he's teaching me. Uh, I hope you'll find uh, encouragement in that because uh, to know no, how, no matter how far along in life you go, God doesn't give up on you, he keeps working with you. Uh, he works with everyday people uh, like me as we uh, move along in life. And, uh, and when, when I got uh, encouraged to, to share with you on this topic, I thought, boy, what were some of the things that I wish I'd have known then that I know now? And uh, I've generated, uh, unfortunately, a really long list, okay? Uh, and if I try to go through that list uh, with you, we'd all need a lunch uh, break. But uh, I've, I've narrowed it down to three things that I'll give you this morning that uh, I don't know that they're the, the top three or the best three or anything like that, but it's three things that, uh, that come to mind that uh, I wish I could have uh, known and practiced a little better as, as a younger man. So here's the first one, and uh, it, it may not uh, flow really well, but this is it. Uh, the first one is the truth can be shared in the wrong way in the wrong time. The truth can be shared in the wrong way uh, and the wrong time. Uh, for me, uh, college was a time of uh, massive knowledge infusion. Uh, you know, the, one of the guys I, I taught with for years here at the college said that uh, education is accelerated experience. And that's not really completely true. There is some truth to that. If you take an accounting class, it would take you years to learn in accounting what we can teach you in a year. And so you can go into the workplace, you know, with some acceleration uh, in that regard. But uh, to another extent, uh, for me, college was getting my brain way ahead of my heart. Uh, and... Uh, I, I had all this knowledge, and I, I really ran over my headlights uh, with it. Uh, and uh, sort of my life's verse for those few years was uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 1, knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. And unfortunately, I was on the first half of that one uh, in terms of having all this knowledge. I mean... You know, I, I was just making huge sucking noises for knowledge in college. I, I enjoyed everything I studied, uh, got a couple of majors, a couple of minors, and just, you know, had a ball uh, taking it all in. Uh, I enjoyed secular subjects. I enjoyed the sacred subjects. Uh, and I know that the faculty could say, well, there's no dichotomy, but you kind of get my drift with that. I... I 
I, I like theology, church history, philosophy, anthropology, uh, all kinds of things. And uh, coupled with that is uh, I had a, a heart for debate. I was on the debate team in college. Uh, I intended to, to go to law school and uh, be involved in, in that kind of thing, especially the, you know, maybe trial uh, law or something like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, a, a couple of things happened. One is uh, uh, I was answering questions nobody was asking. <laughs> I had, I'd evolved into a lack of relevancy <laughs> in terms of the world I was living in. Uh, you know, and, uh, you move into, your, into a neighborhood or we moved into an apartment complex and the guy next door to me is trying to figure out whether to marry the woman he's living with, and I'm thinking about the Chalcedonian Creed, you know. I mean, it's, uh, it's just, it was just sort of a disconnect in terms of, of uh, you know, what was going on. And uh, I, I remember on, on one occasion, I, I had a lot of uh, hack jobs in school, you know, just a hundred jobs to make enough money just to keep going and stay in school and all that kind of stuff. And I remember on one occasion, I was in the break room, and uh, there was a young, uh, a, a, a young lady, she was older than I was, and uh, she was a young mother, actually, and uh, she shared a spiritual experience with me that she was having, or had had, and, uh, and you know, it... Uh, I found her experience to be suspect. I just thought, man, I don't think this experience was rooted in truth. I think it was, you know, just a, a weird spiritual experience. And I called her out on it. And I don't know that it was necessarily wrong to, to call her out on it, but uh, my spirit wasn't right with it. Uh, basically, I was just there bludgeoning her with the truth. And I could tell that I wounded her. Uh, you know, when I did that, and uh, I could tell that uh, all things being equal, my chances of having ministry with her in the future were, had diminished greatly uh, just because of the approach. And I know right now I'm, a, I'm on a bit of a high wire talking about this because the truth is very important, and, uh, and I believe the gateway to you know, to our spiritual lives is through our minds and everything starts there and gets processed there. And, and there's a huge struggle between what we know and what we feel. And uh, if feelings wins, we're in big trouble. I, I understand all that. But at the same time, I know that uh, uh, one of the scriptures that I needed to embrace at that point, uh, you know, was good old Ephesians 4.15, where we learn to speak the truth in love. And we know that uh, there is truth, and, but uh, having the right spirit and praying that God will give the right opportunity uh, to do that uh, was, was really uh, important. Uh, I think we're all inherently unbalanced in the way we approach this thing, that none of us get it right uh, inherently. We're, we're marred by the fall, aren't we? And, uh, and we're trying to move toward uh, balance in our lives. Uh, you know, when the Apostle Paul uh, said that he uh, wishes that we would walk in a manner worthy 
of our calling. That word worthy in the Greek is the word axios. It means balanced. Walk in a balanced fashion. You know, let your moderation, your balance be known to all men. And, and, uh, and that's essentially, you know, where, uh, what God was teaching me. And I, I wish I'd had a little stronger uh, emphasis uh, on that. Uh, learning to speak uh, the truth in love is essential to all uh, human relationships, isn't it? Whether it's a, our friend in the dorm or uh, our spouse or people in the church, uh, people in the neighborhood that we live in. Uh, and uh, I'll just add one other thing uh, to that in terms of what I wish I would have known uh, that I didn't is I wish I would have known more about forbearance as well. Uh, uh, forbearance means I don't say anything at all. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's an important thing to know as well, isn't it? Uh, I was pastoring a church in uh, Pasadena. The Lord gave me a ministry there for about uh, almost nine years. And, and that meant that I had a ministry in uh, two places sort of at once, here at Master's College and then also at Caltech. And uh, uh, and so we had a Bible study at Caltech, and I remember a guy uh, who was in our Bible study came up to me, and he said, you know, uh, the Bible teaches that if I've got something on my heart that I just need to say it, I need to get it out, I need to deal with it, uh, and, uh, you know, he says, that'll be true in relationships, he says, if, uh, you know, if I have a girlfriend, I just, if there's something there I need to, that's bothering me, I need to talk about it, you know, I just need to get it out. And, and I said, well, you know what they call guys that uh, do that? And he says, no. And I said, single. <laughs> single. That girl's not going to hang around with you if you keep annoying her. You know, every time you've got a problem, you get it out and talk about it, even if you try to talk about it in love. A, a good marriage relationship is an exercise in forbearance a lot of times, isn't it? And uh, uh, that is... Uh, Forbearance is just simply saying I prize you right now more than I prize getting whatever it is off of my chest, you know, and talking with you about it. And uh, I learned that the, the first day we moved into our house that we still live in on Santa Clarita Road, uh, the neighbor across the street uh, came over to set a, say hi to me and he says, uh, welcome to the neighborhood. He said, I just hope you're not one of those born-again Christians. I go, whoa. You know, where did that come from, you know? It, uh, and, uh, uh, and I learned, you know, a little bit about forbearance at that point. I didn't say, well, yes, I am. Take that, you know? <laughs> you know, or anything like that. Uh, I just thought, you know... Uh, the truth can be shared in the wrong way in the wrong time. And uh, uh, instead of even saying anything back to this guy, uh, I needed at that point to find every opportunity I could find to serve him and just start serving him and uh, doing everything I could to help him and see if over time, you know, if uh, God gave me the opportunity to speak truth uh, into his life. And so I'm not against the guy that walks, you know, uh, I'm all for going to the park and preaching, you know, if that's what God has laid on your heart. And uh, God uses those kinds of things. But I'm just, 
saying that in, in my heart, in my life, uh, you know, God uh, ha has uh, really worked, you know, to, to try to get me to speak the truth in love, practice forbearance at times. Uh, but the trick, of, the trick of it all, and I wish I'd have uh, known this in college, uh, that kind of goes along with this, and that is, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men, uh, and doesn't uh, upbraid you in the process. He doesn't. He doesn't say, "You big dummy, why are you asking for this?" Instead, the 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 tense of that passage is, "If any of you lack wisdom, it's a rhetorical question." You could say, "If any of you lack wisdom, and you all do, you know, let him ask of God." And so many times what we need to do is we just need to pause in our relationship with God, this ongoing relationship. Uh, part of learning to pray without ceasing is to have an open spirit before God and say, what's the right response here? What's the right response? Uh, someday when you get kids, you're, you're going to need to ask that. You know, does this kid need a... Uh, you know, a little swat, or does this kid need a, a big hug, you know, kind of a thing. And you don't know exactly what's appropriate when. But one of the ways that you'll know you're a believer, and this is really cool, one of the ways that you'll know that you're a believer is God will answer that prayer. And you go, where did that come from? Where did that wisdom come from? And the, the answer to the question is God gives it. God gives it. So whether, whether we're speaking, you know, with just each other, and I can guarantee you when, when I goof it, and I do, I really mess it up. James says we will, you know, he says if any of you, are, uh, you know, always get it right with your speech, you're the same as a perfect person and there's no such thing. So uh, it's always because I didn't consult God in the process. I didn't ask him, ask him for wisdom to know what is right, what is appropriate uh, at any given time. So that first one is that the truth can be shared in the wrong way in the wrong time. Uh, the second one I uh, share with you is, uh, uh, and, and I'll kind of preface this uh, first before I tell you what it is. Uh, I had a dear friend who, Uh, yeah, was diagnosed with uh, cancer, and uh, uh, and he was uh, pronounced cured. And you know, it's happened so many times. You know, the within a year or two, it uh, showed up again. And it, it really bothered me. And the first thing I wanted to do was spend time with him. So I uh, went to lunch and uh, began to talk with him and. Uh, he and I were connected on a lot of different levels, and one of them was cycling. And as we had lunch over at the mall at Sicily's, uh, he shared with me Psalm uh, 90, 12, out of the depths of his heart. And if you look at uh, Psalm uh, 90, we were in Psalm 145, uh, and you could, you know, just uh, put it in rewind a bit there. Uh, in verse 10... It says, uh, as uh, for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years, uh, yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone and we fly away. 
Who understands the power of thine anger and thy fury according to the fear that is due thee? And verse 12 is the verse that uh, he shared with me. And that is, so teach us to number our days that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom or present to you a heart of wisdom. Think about days, not birthdays. That's the point. Think about days, not birthdays. And I was in my uh, early 50s at the time, and uh, the light came on. Not that I felt that I had squandered my days or my life or anything like that. Oh, contraire, you know, just the opposite. I've, I felt uh, in, in my heart of hearts I was doing what God wanted me to do. But it, it was really a, a punctuation point. It was an exclamation point uh, on this. Uh, when he says, teach us to number our days, you know, it's not a rehearsal of verse 10 where he's saying, make sure your arithmetic is right, you know, that you count them uh, properly. Uh, that's not uh, it at all. Uh, my friend was reiterating to me that uh, I'm in a position where I've got to make every day count. I've got, to, I've got to get everything out of every day that I can possibly get out of it. Uh, when you're young, you know, the, the media, uh, there might be an ad campaign on TV that tries to keep you from smoking, you know. And uh, I sort of agree with Billy Sunday, you know, if you were supposed to smoke, you'd have been born with a chimney. Uh, but... Uh, but, you know, this, this ad campaign is trying to keep you from smoking. And, and what they found, you know, is that it does absolutely no good to talk with an 18, 20, 25-year-old about length of life. In other words, uh, the campaign that says don't smoke, it'll take 10 years off your life doesn't work. And the reason for that is, is uh, if you feel like you have a lot of something then not having a little bit of it doesn't matter, okay? And uh, so a, a young person feels good. You know, they, they've got a lot of vitality. There's a lot of optimism. There's the strength of youth. And it causes someone to think, I've got a lot of this. And so it, it doesn't really matter, you know, how I use a little bit of it. It's like if you have $100, it doesn't matter how you, what you do with 25 cents of it, you know, kind of thing. And uh, what the psalmist says here is that uh, wisdom is couched, first of all, in the context of the passage, and, and that is, uh, you know, it's another reminder that, that life goes by very quickly uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, and that people... Uh, who are wise have that in mind even though they don't feel that way, okay? So it's, it's, I alluded to it a little earlier and it's this feeling versus uh, thought thing. In other words, what you know and what you feel are two different things. And now it's, it's saying that wise people uh, get their feelings in alignment with what they know. They practice the truth, and then, and then the feelings begin to follow uh, the practice uh, that occurs. Uh, practicing the truth is an act of faith. It's not an act of feeling. And, uh, you know, we're kind of on to something there, but I won't spend a lot of time with you. 
uh, on that. So what does this mean? I, I think Spurgeon gets it right with this passage when he, when he says that verse 12 is all about purposeful living. It's all about living with purpose in mind. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Uh, another way to think of self-control is it's, it's self-discipline. Uh, to a certain extent at this point in the semester, your roommates, the, your professors, uh, different people in your life sort of know if you've got this self-discipline thing going or not, you know, at, at this juncture. Uh, and, uh, but in a way, self-discipline is a byproduct of purpose or purposefulness. Uh, without a purpose in mind, you live life by default. And a lot of times, the first default mode in a person's life is fun, right, or pleasure. And uh, they just want to have a good time. And to a certain extent, you know, I don't fault people for that. I like, yeah, I like having a good time, too. And the Bible says that uh, God has given us as believers all things to enjoy. But we have other things going on, too, don't we, uh, in our lives. And uh, I could stand up in front of you and preach to you about being self-disciplined. And I might guilt you for a few minutes or a day or two with that and try to get you in line with it. But it's, it's kind of like this. Uh, some guys I, that I had had a ministry with uh, uh, a few years ago knocked on my door. There, it was, there were two guys uh, live here in uh, Santa Clarita. And now they're in their 30s. And they knocked on my door, and they, and, and they said, R.W., uh, we're tired of the way we're living. You know, we're just partying all the time. We're in our 30s. Uh, you know, we're just, we're just sick of the way we're living. And uh, we want to change because, you know, we, we're wasting time. We're messing up our lives. We're messing up other people's lives, and we want to change. And at first blush, you'd think, well, wow, that's great. That's great. But my question to them uh, right there at my front door was, change to what? What do you want to change to? What do you want to become? Uh, and because it, it's, it's uh, you know, it's not enough to want to move away from the stuff that you realize is, is bad uh, what's got to happen is, is you got to have a you got to have purpose. Uh, I think Jesus put it this way: He says, if there's a house and and it's got a demon in it, and and somebody comes in and exorcises that demon, gets that demon out of the house, if the house stays empty, seven demons move in, right? In other words, uh, nature abhors a vacuum. You can't create a vacuum in your life and expect it to be filled in a good way just by default. In other words, life has to be purposeful. Uh, I'll give you an example of that. Uh, I could spend my life saying, you know, uh, I need to be faithful to my wife. I need to be faithful to my wife. I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna look over here. I'm not gonna look over there. I'm not gonna look over there. I need to be faithful. And 
you know, that's, that's not going to work. I need to be purposeful. And instead, I, say, I need to just say, I'm spending time with my wife. The focus of my life is, is my wife, you know, in that regard. And not being involved in the other things is a byproduct of being focused on what I need to be focused on. If I ride a bike with you and you focus on not going over the edge, if there's a steep fall on the edge, you'll probably be over there on the edge and before you know it, you go over. But if you focus on the road in front of you and you keep your eyes on that uh, path, not going over the edge is a byproduct of that. You get my drift with it? In other words, holiness in Scripture is not an end in itself. Holiness is a byproduct of a heart's desire of being useful. You go back to the book of Exodus and you see holiness there was used for utensils that were, were going to be placed in the tabernacle and eventually got hauled into uh, the, the temple and then eventually got hauled into uh, Babylon, right? And then when the party's thrown in Babylon and they take the, the utensils that had been sanctified or made holy and tried to party with them, that's when the, the hand came down out of the wall and wrote on the, or out of the ceiling and wrote on the wall, right? And, <clears throat> and uh, it was then that Babylon fell. And the reason for that is anything that's set aside for God's use is holy. And that's what Paul's talking about in 2 Timothy chapter 2, where he says, you know, he wants you to be a vessel for honor, holy, set apart for God's use. The, the, the students here on campus that are wandering around, you know, and, and you can just kind of see it, right? I mean, uh, Howard Hendricks says, you know, they're walking around campus with their umbilical cords in their hands trying to figure out where to plug them in. And, you know, they'll plug it in with... Uh, gee, that looks like fun, that looks like fun, I think I'll do that, you know, kind of thing. Uh, they're just living by default, right? And if you try to get them to be disciplined, self-disciplined, if you try to get them to be self-controlled, to a, to a, that's kind of an exercise in futility, isn't it? What you need to encourage them to do is figure out what you're about. If you're about the things of God and that's your purpose, then giving up some things and disciplining yourself, that just goes with the territory, doesn't it? That's part of, the, that's part of it. And uh, that's, what, that's what it means, you know, when it, it's a positive, it's not a negative to number your days. It, it's really uh, determining what it is that you're living life for and going for it and making each day count you know, with that uh, purpose in mind. The guy who really hits the nail on the head with that, and it may be a, a read you'd want to take a look at if you get a chance, is uh, Dr. Saunders, J. Oswald Saunders' book, Spiritual Leadership. And uh, purposeful living, uh, you know, is, is the deal. The third thing, and, and uh, I'll wrap it up with this, 
is uh, I can't accomplish anything of eternal value. I cannot accomplish anything of eternal value. I just can't do it. Okay? Um, if, uh, if I, uh, pardon me if I get accused here of allegorizing uh, scripture, but I ran this by Dr. Varner and he said I was okay with it. Um, so, you've got uh, a bunch of people that need to be fed. Jesus is preaching and, and he goes longer than I intend to and, and uh, so people need their lunch. And so there's 5,000 people that need to be fed plus women and children. So I guess it's 5,000 men and women and children. I don't know what that works out to, 15,000 people or something. I don't know. A lot of people. And there's only one source of food. It's a little boy who brought his lunch and he's got five loaves and two fish. Here's a gargantuan task and here's just a little bit of resource to accomplish it. The gargantuan task uh, that I'm involved with is, is trying to somehow affect change for all of eternity. And what I bring to it is what a, one of my colleagues, uh, Dr. Uh, Hotchkiss, John Hotchkiss used to say, you bring your ABCs to it. You've got your ability, your native ability. You've got some background. That might be your education or the way you were brought up or something like that. And then you've got commitment. That's your self-discipline. That's how much you're willing to work at it, okay? So you got those three things. Ability, background, and commitment. That's what you bring to the classroom. That's what you take to the church, your ministry, the dorm, any place you find yourself, I'm in the same boat, okay? But the fact of the matter is, is all three of those things in my life add up to a few loaves and fishes. That's about it. Because I've got something temporal, that's my ABCs, and it's all in this temporal shell called uh, my body, and uh, uh and I'm trying to accomplish something eternal with that. So from a human point of view, I'm, I'm just beating my head against the wall, right? But here's the deal, and this is, maybe goes back to purpose, and that is uh, I'm involved in what, what I think of as the divine human cooperative. I'm partnering with God in this. And, and in this partnership, uh, I get to work with God in doing what God is doing in this age, and that's building the church. I had a guy ask me uh, about three or four weeks ago, he said, uh, why are you an elder? And the answer to the question is because I want to do what God's doing. I want to partner with him in whatever he's doing. He didn't, and he said, I will build my church, and so that's what I want to be in. I want to do what God's doing, okay? And in this divine human cooperative, uh, I do what I can, and then I leave the results up to him, right? That's, the, that's it. it uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it's required of, a, of a, 
of a person or a man that uh, they be found faithful. So I'm, I'm faithful. Uh, I've got these loaves and fishes and uh, do the best I can with that. But then God, it's God that, uh, that takes it and he, either in his uh, providence, uh, in his all-powerful goodness and sovereignty, uh, makes something with it or, or doesn't. And uh, it, it's, neat to, uh, it's neat to see it. it it's surprising at times, uh, you know, what God may or, or may not uh, uh, be doing uh, with it. Sometimes, <clears throat> you know, uh, oh, by the way, uh, you can look at 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9, if you like, where it talks about uh, one watering and uh, somebody sowing the seed, somebody watering the seed. But the litany of that passage over and over again is the, the little phrase, but God gives the increase. It's God that actually does it and makes it happen. There have been times when uh, I've been offered uh, an opportunity to, uh, you know, to share with a group or an opportunity to counsel someone or, or work with someone. And, and uh, at the close of it, I thought, man, that went really well. You know, yours truly was really on the top of his game, you know. And uh, uh, I just felt so good about it. And as maybe something happened, maybe something didn't happen. But I think where the light really came on with this was uh, uh, I got asked to uh, preach at a church uh, that was uh, kind of a little fledgling church up in uh, uh, Paso Robos. And uh, Paso Robos is close enough to make me want to drive up there, far enough away that the drive isn't much fun. And it uh, takes quite a bit of time. So I got up on Sunday morning and drove up there. And I, I really didn't want to do that. Uh, and uh, the church had about 25, 30 people in it, something like that. Uh, and so I got up there and it wasn't a particularly exciting situation. Uh, you know, they, they didn't seem like they had very much life to them. I wasn't super encouraged by being with them. Uh, I gotta, you know, I just have to confess to you, I just, I just did what I needed to do. You know, my, I've always said if, if somebody needs me to do something and if it's open on my calendar, I'll do it, you know, kind of thing. And that's what that ministry fell into, was just that kind of a deal. And about uh, a year later, I was in Seattle doing something more exciting uh, up there and uh, uh, getting ready for it and stuff. And a, a, a young man walked up to me and he said, uh, you don't know me, he says I wanted to introduce myself to you. Uh, and so he did. And he said, uh, I just want you to know you, uh, that you had a, a, a big part in my life. And I go, whoa, well, how'd that happen? He said, well, my aunt attended a little bitty church in Paso Robos, California. And uh, he said, I was living in New England at the time, but he said, you delivered a message there. Uh, my aunt sent me the recording of the message and uh, he said, I was sitting uh, at home with a gun in my hand, and I had it pointed to my head. 
Uh, I was getting ready to end my life. And uh, I looked down and there was that message my aunt sent me. And I decided, well, I'll just listen to it. And he did, and he accepted Christ. And uh, I saw him a year later, and he wasn't dead. You know, he was alive. <laughs> and he was spiritually alive, too, along with it. You know, that's the thing of it, is I can't accomplish anything, and a lot of times I don't even think I'm accomplishing anything. But in this divine human cooperative, we're called for, to faithfulness. Sometimes we get to see the results like I did in this life, and sometimes we don't. But uh, we bring so little to it, but God is so great. And uh, he takes our, our little loaves and fishes, he takes our, our meager effort, and at times uh, allows uh, great things to happen, and, and we get the joy of just being a part of it. It's, it's, an, it's a pretty amazing thing, you know, when you stop and think about it. So there's a, a little bit uh, from uh, what I wish I'd have known in college, and I didn't. There's a whole lot more on the list, but... Uh, I'd like to pray with you and let you get out of here this morning, okay? Father, thank you for uh, the time that you give us. <clears throat> I pray, Father, that uh, you'll make us uh, just uh, people of wisdom as we interact with other people, whether they be Christians or non-Christians. We don't... We don't get it right all the time. Uh, help us uh, by your grace to get it right more and more and grow uh, in our, uh, just in our Christ-likeness. I pray too, Father, that, uh, that you'll help us to stay focused in terms of purposeful living. Uh, I'm especially mindful if, uh, of younger brothers and sisters that are here this morning and Maybe some of them lack purpose, and they can see the way they're living, and, and they know that right now about themselves. I pray for an invasion of your spirit into their lives that uh, will help them uh, to have the, the, just have that blindness lifted and, and begin to see things clearly and live in a very clear fashion. I pray, too, that you'll keep us ever mindful of the fact that uh, uh, us decreasing and you increasing is is really what's what's happening that we remain more and more uh, mindful of the fact that you're the one that's doing things and and uh, we get the joy of partnering with you we get a great privilege of being able to do that and uh, help us to rely upon you in new ways and and in fresh ways uh, in the days ahead I thank you for uh, all of these uh, brothers and sisters that are gathered here this morning and pray that this will be one more time when we encourage each other to love and good deeds. And we ask this in your son's name. Amen.